If you would remain standing and turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, we'll be looking at verses 27 through 36 this morning. Luke 6, verses 27 through 36. Hear the word of the Lord. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also, and from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind and ungrateful to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord stands forever. You may be seated. And as you do, if you would, please bow your heads and pray with me. Heavenly Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and honoring in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. And it's in Jesus' name alone that we pray. Amen. His name was Louis Zamperini. In September of 1941, a few months before Pearl Harbor, he enlisted in the Army. He was a former Olympian. He had participated in the 1936 Berlin Olympics, running the 5,000 meters. He did not medal, but he did well. And after that, uh, he decided to enlist. <clears throat> and after he enlisted in the army, he was stationed in the Pacific Ocean, uh, Theater. And in April of 1942, while he was out on a search and rescue mission, flying over the Pacific, his plane that he was flying on went down, crashing into the ocean. Eight of the eleven people who were on board died. Lewis and two others survived in a small life raft. With little food and no water, they subsisted on catching rainwater and eating raw fish. They actually caught two albatross, which they ate and then used to catch fish. All the while, they were constantly fending off shark attacks, and once they were nearly capsized by a storm. 
after 47 days at sea, the men on the raft were eventually picked up by the Japanese. Two of them were picked up. One, during that time, had died. But Zamperini and another survived only to be brought into a Japanese prisoner of war camp and summarily tortured for the remainder of the war until 1945. One man in particular, nicknamed the Bird, tormented Zamperini. After the war, as you could imagine, Zamperini suffered from post-traumatic stress disorder often having nightmares about his time being tortured. Imagine spending 47 days on a life raft floating in the Pacific Ocean, only to be rescued, in a sense, to be tortured, as if it wasn't enough. At his wife's urging in 1949, Zamperini attended a Billy Graham crusade in Los Angeles where he put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. The theme of his life became one of forgiveness. And in order to effectively deal with what had happened to him in the past, Zamperini knew that he needed to forgive. So in 1950, five years after he was released from Japan, Zamperini traveled back and he preached the gospel to the very guard's who had tortured him. He forgave them for their actions and he actually was able to give them God's Word. He gave them Bibles. So far in our study through the book of Luke, we have made it to chapter 6, where recently we have read about the fact that Jesus has called His twelve apostles those who would follow Him for the next three years. And after He called His disciples, He gave to them direction as to what their life would be like as His disciples. He gave them kind of a discipleship 101. This is what life will be like as you follow Me. He said the way to God's blessings is not what you think, as we looked at last week. The way to spiritual riches is actually through poverty. That the way to laughter is through mourning. The way up is the way down. Jesus is telling His disciples that this is what your life is going to be like. This week, in a sense, He gives them their marching orders. This is what your life is going to be like. This is what you will experience Now here is what I am telling you, commanding you to do, to be as my disciples. This is how you are to act. Jesus commands His followers to love in in the way that He loves. Because a follower of Christ reflects the love of Christ. In our passage this morning, the first several verses, uh, verses 27 through 31, Jesus gives seven or eight, depending on how you look at it, 
seven commands. Now, I am no Greek scholar by any means. Um, But as I was looking at this passage in the Greek here, he uses this verb form, this imperative, seven times. He uses a different form to, to, to give the imperative as well an eighth time. But seven times in these verses, he uses the same form, this imperative, this command that he is giving. He tells his disciples to, and he commands them to love. He commands them to do good. He gives them the imperative to bless, to pray, to offer, to give. And then in the negative, he says, don't demand. And in this other form that also implies the imperative, he says, do not withhold. And he sums up these commands with the golden rule that we see in 6 verse 31. As you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. Or, as I learned the golden rule growing up, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. What he's saying um, is basically what he says in verse 27. He's giving the command to love. Because honestly, when we think about what we would want others to do to us, wouldn't we want to be loved? Jesus' command is to love others with an agape love. And how, can we concept, and how we can conceptualize that love is through the golden rule. Now in the Greek, we know that they have many different words for the, the, the word that we have in the English as, as love. We only have one, but they have several. And this form of love that Jesus references here is agape love. But what is agape love? Well, agape love is a love that is self-sacrificial. It is a love that goes beyond emotion, a love that is a conscious choice. It is a love that is unconditional. As I was studying this past week, uh, I came across... Uh, a reference that contrasted this agape love uh, versus eros love, which is uh, what we get our word erotic from. It is a very emotional type love. And here's what, uh, what the difference between eros and agape is. Eros is a general love of the world seeking satisfaction wherever it can. Agape is a love which makes distinctions, choosing and keeping to its object. Eros is determined by a more or less indefinite impulsion towards its object. Agape is a free and decisive act determined by its subject. Eros, in its highest sense, is used of the upward impulsion of the man of his love for the divine. Agape reserves relates to the most, for the most part, to the love of God, to the love of the higher, lifting up the lower, elevating the lower above others. Eros seeks in others the fulfillment of its own life's hunger. Agape is often translated to show love. It is a giving, active love on the other's behalf. 
You see, agape is a love that is beyond emotion. It's a love that is a, is a choice. It is a, a conscious decision. That doesn't mean that emotion isn't involved at all in agape love. It's that eros is based strictly on emotion. So it waxes and it wanes based on how a person is, is feeling in the moment. Agape love that means that even when the emotion isn't there, the person still chooses to love. And because it's not directly tied to emotions, agape love isn't this roller coaster ride with all of its ups and downs. Instead, agape love is strong, it is dependable, it is faithful and true. It's the love that God shows to us through His Son, Jesus Christ. Listen to these verses that speak about God's agape love. John 3.16, perhaps the most famous verse in all the Bible, says, For God so agape loved the world, that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. Or Galatians 2, verse 20 I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who agape loved me and gave himself for me. Well, 1 John 4, verse 10. In this is agape love. Not that we have agape loved God, but that he has agape loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. This agape love is one that is hard to display. It's, in a sense, easier to act according to our emotions. It's harder to make a conscious decision that doesn't necessarily involve our emotions. And this is one of the reasons why Jesus commands it, because it is so hard for us to do. You think of the irony of commanding love. You must love. We think of it so tied to an emotion that we, we, we find it hard to, to command love. But because it is so hard, Jesus commands it. And um, I, I'm painting myself as some Greek scholar here, when in reality I am not. Um, but... As you look through the New Testament and you look for this command to love, this imperative uh, to agape love, there are only three groups of people that we are commanded to agape love. One of them is our enemies. The other is husbands for their wives. Should a, husbands should agape love their wives. And the third is the brotherhood. And that's in First Peter. We are commanded to love the brotherhood, in a sense, one another as believers. In referring to to husbands and wives, um, it's not that emotions aren't factored in to this love. It's not that emotions aren't involved here. I hope that they are. Uh, And loving our wives as husbands is not like loving our enemies. And it's not because that wives are so difficult to love that we have to be commanded. That's not the case. It's because of our sinful nature. We have to be commanded to love because of our sin. 
Choosing to love anyone unconditionally and self-sacrificially is incredibly difficult to do, even if that person is your wife. Even if you have these emotions towards her, these affections toward her, it is incredibly difficult as a sinful person to give yourself completely to another, to make that conscious decision to love. And that is why Jesus commands us to do that. So this is agape love. But how are we supposed to do this? How are we supposed to agape love others? Well, you have this example of Louis Zamperini. The fact that he was able to forgive those who had tortured him for years that he was able to go over to Japan to love them enough, literally his enemies, those who had tortured him, to share the Gospel with them, to give them God's Word. This is agape love. This is him loving his enemies. I came across a story this past week of a mom who years ago, several years ago, who had lost her daughter in a drunk driving incident. Uh, A man uh, was driving under the influence. He slammed into the car that his daughter was riding in and killed her instantly. Obviously, this caused great heartache and sorrow in this mom's life, having lost her daughter. And she became an advocate uh, against drunk driving. Uh, This man was put away in prison, and what this mom realized, uh, or what this mom was able to do after after years uh, of advocating against drunk driving, is that she developed a relationship with this man who had killed her daughter. She became an advocate for him. She worked hard for his release. Because she didn't want to see him wasting the rest of his life in prison. In fact, she developed such a relationship with him that she actually thought of him as her son. This is loving her enemy. And Jesus lists several ways here in the passage that we can specifically do good or, or love others by doing good to those who hate us, blessing those who curse us, praying for our abusers, not withholding from people who desire to take things from us, when we give our possessions to others, not demanding them back. I have a neighbor who does this well. Mr. Leroy, who lives next door to us. And the proof in that is, is that his rototiller is still sitting at my house. He offered that to me several months ago to to help us with our garden. And it is still sitting at my house. He has not demanded that back yet. Obviously, wisdom and discernment needs to be played out here. Um, We don't uh, necessarily need to have people take Uh, unnecessary advantage of us, especially uh, of us and uh, of our family members. 
Um, that's not necessarily agape love. Um, but Jesus does call us to that. In general, what it means is acting to benefit another and not thinking of our own desire or benefiting ourselves. It means loving others without expecting or desire anything, anything in return. It means doing things without needing the, the attaboys or, or the pats on the back without getting that, that thank you card in the mail. And this is something that is very difficult for me. Because often when I do things, I do them with the approach of having other people see what I do. Of desiring that thank you. That pat on the back. That you did a good job. It's much harder for me to do things without desiring or needing those things in return. Because if we're doing acts of love for others so that we might be recognized, we're not truly showing agape love to them. There's only one way possible for us to truly show agape love to others. And that is if our needs are fully met in Christ and not in anything else. Otherwise, we're always looking at other people to fulfill us, or at other things to fulfill our needs. So this is how we do it. But what is the result? Why Why do we show agape love? First of all, it is a command. Christ gives us the imperative. He gives us the command to love one another. And if Christ commands us to do something, we better sit up and listen and do it. Because it's that important. Christ has commanded us to love. But there's a benefit from this love. When we consciously choose to love others, even our enemies, with a, a self-sacrificial love, this agape love, not desiring anything in return, it's because the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives and the grace of God is being poured out. If you look at verses uh, 32 through 36, um, Luke refers and uses this word, benefit, and credit here. He says, um, what benefit is that to you? What benefit is that to you? And what does that, and what credit is that to you? The word that he is using here is actually the same word that's translated differently, benefit and credit. And it's the word for grace. It's the word charis in the Greek. It says what, in a sense, what grace is that to you. What benefit or what credit is there for loving our enemies in this way? The grace of God is being poured out. And it is living and active in our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's only by the grace of God that we are able to do this. And this is a huge benefit. But it is impossible, impossible, 
to agape love. Unless you first of all know the agape love that Christ has for you. The only reason that we can show agape love to others, including our enemies, is because we have the perfect example of agape love in Christ. You know, because of our sin, we were once God's enemies. Because of our sinful nature, we are enemies of God. But Colossians 1, verses 21 and 22 says this, And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, a.k.a. God's enemies, doing evil deeds, He has now reconciled in His body of flesh by His death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before Him. You see, we were once God's enemies because of our sin, but now, as we will celebrate this morning, we are welcomed to God's table. Romans 5, verse 10 says, But if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. You see, because of Christ's agape love, He endured the cross. He suffered its shame. He became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. And what we celebrate at the table this morning is the great agape love that Christ has for us while we were yet His enemies. We were once the enemies of God, but now we are welcomed to His table. And we look forward to the day that we as sons and daughters of Christ. And we will spend eternity at His banquet table celebrating the great love that He has for us through faith in Jesus Christ.